Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, your CEO and founder of Workman Forensics in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and this is the Data Sleuth Podcast. In this season of the Data Sleuth Podcast, I'm discussing the business of forensic accounting with successful professionals who have done just that, or they serve those who do. As part of this series, Workman Forensics and our guests are providing free resources and tools to accompany each episode's topic to help you with your practice, whether you're just starting out or wanting to take it to the next level. Make sure to listen to the end to find out how to download each one of these. For the last episode of the year, Tracy Conan and I are going to team up to answer all of your questions. So if you have any questions about the business of forensic accounting, or even forensic accounting in general, send them in via YouTube, LinkedIn, or by emailing us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. In today's episode with Joe Irvin, I have the opportunity to talk to her about marketing and networking. I've known Joe for several years now, and she is always so great at connecting people, creating events where people can connect. It's very central to her business, and so I'm excited to have her on the show today. Amanda Jo Irvin is an auditor, a professor, and an ethics speaker. She prides herself on not being your typical auditor, professor, or ethics speaker, and she believes that our path to greatness begins with a character choice that we make each and every day, and her passion is sharing that with audiences just like this one. Jo, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, so, okay, we've known each other for a while, and I'm sure we're going to like tell all kinds of stories in this episode. But um, after you worked in internal audit, you started your business a little under six years ago. So Mm -hmm. what inspired you to leave that internal audit world working in a company and go out on your own? Um, Let's just say I had a little push. (laughs) Um, Like many others. Yeah. Like many others, I think, you know, you wake up one day and you just realized that the values of the people around you or the company that you're working for just aren't a fit for you. And about six, well, a little more than six years ago, so seven, eight years ago, I was going through some, I'd say, major life changes. So I was having preventative surgeries and I was, I actually had six surgeries in 22 months and I felt like you know, at, when you go through something like that, you like reevaluate everything, right? And um, I liked the company I was working for, so I don't want that to, you know, your listeners to think it was that, but it was more the, the people and specifically the boss, um, you know, and you realize like, man, my values just really don't match this person's and I'm not learning anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I was the director of internal audit and I just felt like I had kind of stopped my growth. And so I woke up literally one day and there was a few pushes along the way and I gave a four week notice. I said, you know, I was working on a big initiative with our Canadian parent company. And I said, you know what, I will help finish that up, but you know, then I need to move on. It's time. And um, sadly, you know, I'm pretty open and transparent about it. I got walked out that afternoon. So you realize (laughs) really quick, you probably didn't even know that Leah. Um, I did not know that. When when you are the director of internal audit, you have you're privy to a lot of information, whether that's Mm -hmm. upcoming mergers and acquisitions or payroll data or, you know, I had to tell myself that it was because of what I knew, not because of what I did. 
And sure, that, was, sure. that was a big learning, you know, moment and another opportunity for me. So anybody that's been in a situation like that, where they've either been let go or whatever it is, you know, take some time to reflect that it it's not you, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of different factors. So, um, so anyway, that was my push, right, to leave. And um, so I literally had four weeks to decide what I was going to do next. And I sent out a few resumes, but I started networking. And I know that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. So I feel like this story is super fitting. Um, But who I networked with were people doing what I'm doing now, who were consulting with lots of clients, um, who were training. You know, I I talked to people who were CPE, like NASVA certified to give CPE, because that was always my favorite part of my job was the teaching and the training Mm -hmm. um, of new staff or when we got a new audit software, you know, I loved training my team on how to use it. And so I knew that was a part of my job that I wanted to continue. So that's really how my business started. It was like my aha moment. I get to do what I want now. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So part of your story actually reminded me part of mine, and I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but the fact that you were going to give four weeks notice, finish everything up, and then they walked you out that day. I think it's something that someone should consider if they're going to leave their job to start, you know, because the whole purpose of this season is the business of forensic accounting and being prepared for that. So my story is kind of the opposite. It's that I gave a month's notice so that I could finish my casework. There wasn't really anyone else to hand it off to. And so I, I was really the only forensic accountant at this point. And so I was going to finish my cases. I gave them a heads up. I had started the CPA exam and I hadn't finished it. And um, so I asked them as soon as I put in my notice, I said, are you going to ask me to pay you back for the CPA exam and the prep course? They said, oh, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I worked four weeks and the last day that I was there, they came in and said, oh, by the way, you're going to have to pay that back. And so I had been planning for those four weeks, like I didn't have savings to do this. I've got a whole nother story about that, but like I was really starting from nothing. And, but I thought, oh no, I have this, like, I have these paychecks coming in and it'll be fine. And they kept my last paycheck. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it is just like something to think of. And I was making such little money then it wasn't worth pursuing. (laughs) Like, um, you know, it wasn't like I could take legal action, but, um, it is just something to think about. Like, yeah. Well, Are you prepared, prepared if they yeah. if they Absolutely. ask you to leave that day? Like, literally, I had worked there since 2005. I did have like a couple years where I, you know, got married and moved out of state and came back, but literally had worked there for almost well, it was like you know 11 years. And so, like, yeah. think about my office. I had collected so much stuff, right? So here's me like scrambling to just get, you know, cause I don't want somebody to pack up my office and like, what are they going to leave? I had actually created a learning library outside of my office for all my staff. So I had every book that I've ever bought career wise there. I had posters that I personally purchased, you know, about with quotes like that. Cause this was like our, our little study area. And so like, I mean, this was oh like gosh. me all in with this job and like, yep. so not being prepared to leave. I had, I was like literally texting my, some of my favorite staff, right. And my friends at the company to come help me take a bag so that they could take it home for me, you know, because I didn't want somebody seeing me walk out with a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, it just, 
be prepared, like literally yes. for anything to happen. And honestly, it was a life lesson for me. I have friends that have been laid off in internal audit quickly. And so mm -hmm. just even, it's sad that we like almost like be careful how established and comfortable you get, right? Because the world can yeah. change in a second. So I know it was definitely a total learning learning thing for me. I mean, I have pictures, you know, my son, I had pictures of Benjamin everywhere. You know? so, right. Anyway. right. I can just, I can just see your office oh actually with these posters right. and inspirational quotes. And yeah, like the bookcase on steroids behind us. Like yeah. literally it was nuts. So yeah. Anyway. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, I totally hadn't prepped to talk about that at all, but I think it is something really important when thinking about starting your own business for sure, especially oh, yeah. if you're employed currently. Yeah. So you and I met over LinkedIn um, at the first fraud retreat. And I realized whenever we had the first fraud retreat and we all started talking, like all of us speakers knew each other because of LinkedIn. Right. So I'm curious, how have you used LinkedIn to network yeah. and how has that helped you create the fraud retreat. And we'll talk a little bit more about the retreat too. But um, yeah. I mean, how do you practically approach people you've never met in a digital way? Isn't that funny? And like you and I, I feel like it was kind of probably pandemic, but I can tell you, um, Kelly Paxton, you know, I think I'm sure your listeners know Kelly. Um, we met pre-pandemic on LinkedIn and it was just a cold, it's like a cold reach out. You know, I knew mm -hmm. she was a part of the National Speakers Association. I saw, you know, she was a part of the Port Portland chapter. I was part of the Denver chapter. Um, in 2019, they were getting ready to have our big NSA influence conference in Denver at the Gaylord. The Gaylord had like just opened. Um, and so Kelly and I arranged to like meet in person there. And so it was kind of, but it was all, it was literally all LinkedIn and following people and looking at their content and saying, wow, that really resonates with me. I'm just going to message them. And I've got a story. Um, we'll talk about it when we get into the retreat about, you know, how like go outside your box. Like, even if you think it's somebody famous, like they are real people. I have met LinkedIn message and I know you have probably too, Tyler Schultz you know, the whistleblower mm -hmm. at Theranos. Mm -hmm. And my latest um, story, I'm not going to give away the person, is somebody who I have literally fangirled since I was in college in the early 2000s, um, who was a part of a huge fraud, who was Time Magazine's Woman of the Year in 2002. Um, and now we're like BFFs. Like, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like literally we're on the phone this week for over an hour and talk two days in a row. And anyway, so like, there is such power in that tool that like, mm -hmm. I can't even explain it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> so when you reach out to someone, what mm -hmm. do you say? Do you have a go-to? I don't, you know, like, and I think the people who have go-tos are, I'm going to say wrong because you cannot have a blanket something you say. You have to personalize it to that person. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and blow my cover here. So Cynthia Cooper, who was the, Vice President of Internal Audit at WorldCom during the whole debacle, you know, early 2000s. Um, I listened to a webinar with her and Richard Chambers, the past president of the, the IIA. I have students that write papers about fraud, right? So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. a full-time faculty now. I have three internal audit classes. We often dissect these cases. 
always have somebody that writes about the WorldCom fraud. And, and, and it's especially a great one because internal audit caught it. And that doesn't happen very often, right? That's we know true. That's true. Fraud, right? Like what's the statistic? 15% of internal audit departments find them. And like, it's not high enough. Um, but anyway, I, I watched this webinar and I immediately just messaged her and said, I just got off your webinar. I love the, the topic of auditing culture. I've been trying to push this for years, like would just love to connect with you, you know? And mm -hmm. it's just, it's that personal short, like don't tell them your life story. Don't, don't try to sell them something for goodness sake. Like, do you think I did not ask her to, to join the fraud retreat? Like right then. Right. But it right. was build the relationship. Actually, I might have that. That might be a fib. I might have said like, I have this awesome event <laughs> and I yeah. would die yeah. to have you there, but but do it in like such a genuine way, right? Like, and connect, connect with yeah. something they've done. You can't just cold reach out. So like a LinkedIn post, Kelly's great at this. Like just saw your opening. I shared it too. Like if you have any more openings, let me know, you know? And I think it's just, you've got to find that connection with somebody. I agree. And, um, I'm going to, I'm, I didn't know if I was going to say this or not, but I, ha I have one that if I get messages in these veins, my assistant will respond for me. Okay. And we have a canned response. So I, if you're a listener I, and you're wanting to reach out to me, don't do these two things. Yeah. Um, and if you've gotten my response, it was my assistant. Okay. Uh, but first one is, um, how do I become a forensic accountant? How... Like, what have you done in your career that helped you get here? Like this whole list of questions where I can tell you saw that I was a forensic accountant and you sent me a whole bunch of questions and you did no research about me. Yes. So there are plenty of people that don't have a lot of content out there, but I have a ton of content of a book, a podcast, videos, like a website, blog. You can find all kinds of resources from me, right? And you're the same. Yeah. So like do a little research and then ask me a specific question about it. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me to spoon feed it to you. So because you you're going to get a response I, with what I just said from my assistant. You know what? And I love it because I think I asked you for that at one point. So I have it copied and pasted in my notes oh, because right. I love yep. your response so much because I get it too. probably about internal audit as much as mm -hmm. you, you know, or like you do. Um, but you know my giveaway. And so this is for anybody who wants to reach out to me if they call me Amanda. Or, yes. you know, right? Like, cause literally my about says, welcome to my page. I go by Joe and you know, like Joe's in quotes and everybody yep. always asks like, why don't you just drop Amanda? And I'm like, you know what? It's my legal name. You know, I, I my parents gave it to me. I still feel attached to it, but I go by mm -hmm. my middle name, right? And so mm -hmm. I can tell because if they even open my page, the first thing says I go by Joe, you know? And yep. so it's like, I know that some people are moving so fast that they don't pay attention to those little things. And I forgive that a lot, right? I always sure. joke. I'm like, I answer to Amanda. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But you you start off with not with that feeling like they don't know, they don't know me. They they don't really want me. And I think right. that, you know, it's just my dead giveaway. So Yes. Yeah. The other one is so tell me what you do in the forensic accounting space. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so Okay. Wrong. No. Yeah. Now I still might connect with people, right? Like if they're right. CFEs, PIs, whatever, I'm going to connect, but I, I'm not going to have a conversation over LinkedIn. So, yeah. um, Absolutely. it's just something to consider. 
that and and you can tell the people that you really want to connect with and they really want to connect back because you immediately mm-hmm. take it off of LinkedIn. So like yes. that's another thing I'd love to say is like um like make that effort. Like here's my email. I'd love to continue this conversation out. And those you also know are the real people and the real, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we met on, you know, kind of zoom quick so we could connect further. And like, you can tell the people who want to take it that step further. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think too, LinkedIn is just such a great opportunity to try to get to know people, to maybe get on a podcast or to, um, to be a guest on a podcast or if you're starting a podcast, but just like doing just a little bit of research about the person before you reach out. Yeah. it would just go a long way. Yep. For sure. Okay. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know that the investigation game isn't just for professional continuing education? The investigation game education edition is for university teachers to provide their students with a hands-on experience to work with sample evidence replicating an actual fraud investigation. The games will reinforce the steps to basing the investigation findings on data analysis and best evidence, not opinions. To order the case of the cash flow fiasco or the case of the man cave for your students, visit workmanforensics.com slash TIG hyphen educators or check out the link in the show notes. Welcome back to my conversation with Joe. So Joe, I have noticed something about your business. You have several different services and all of these services seem to complement each other and really promote and market the other thing. So first, will you tell us what those services are and then we'll, we'll move into the fraud retreat because it's, it's like an extension of this as well. Yeah. It's a part of my last service. So it's perfect. Um, so I call my business ACE. Uh, A-C-E, obviously. Now my son, who I've already mentioned, Benjamin says, so when I started my business almost six years ago, he would have been what? Like six, almost Mm -hmm. seven. And so he's like, mom, why did you name your business after a hardware store? And I'm like, okay, not Ace Hardware, but okay. Ace to me stands for Audit Consulting Education, LLC is, you know, my three wings Mm -hmm. of my business. I'm like, I couldn't have been more direct in my business title, right? Or my right. Um, but I wanted people to know exactly what I did. Um, the only part I don't like is that I didn't stick an I in front of the A because I am internal audit, obviously. True. Uh, but audit consulting kind of meshed together. I do internal audit consulting. I mean, that mm-hmm. is really what I do. Um, in the last few years, the more and more I've gotten to be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote in air quotes, expert on ethics. But by no means am I an expert. Learning every day still, but. Um, my passion kind of has has shifted from internal audit to ethics and the combination of both, right? I already mentioned auditing culture is so important to me. Um, but now I'm doing more culture ethics consulting. So that middle part has kind of beefed up a little bit in the last few years, writing ethics policies, helping with ethics blogs, um, you know, really focusing on how cultures that organizations can be better and how can internal audit, again, audit that. So the, the connection there. Um, but by far, I always say like my favorite wing of my business is education. So, you know, I immediately became an adjunct professor um, when I, you know, lost my job or, or left my job. Um, so I've been teaching at the higher ed level, uh, just started full time a year ago. So I just had my one year anniversary as a full time faculty at MSU Denver, but um, 
you know, besides higher ed, got NASBA certified, just like you, your firm is, uh, mm-hmm. to give those CPE credits. And, you know, like you, I was sitting on the opposite side of the table in very, very boring CPE trainings for 20 years, you know, almost 20 years. And so it's how can I make that more fun and engaging and specifically ethics, right? Everybody needs that. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got your interactive investigation game, you know, you, you had the same idea I did really. Um, which I'm going to say the whole fun and the conference thing led me to create my own conference, which we've keeps talking about the fraud retreat. Uh, it's funny. Everybody's like, I always never fails when I start promoting the fraud retreat. They're like, Oh, are you going to teach us how to do fraud? No, of course not. I'm going to teach you how to catch fraud, right? Or we are, um, two day event. Um, my biggest education event every year, always in, in Denver, 16 CPE, you get your four hours in ethics. The rest is, you know, specialized knowledge, fraud, some personal development, some years we've done. Um, Just an amazing group of people that want to come to this conference. And I think, Leah, you can attest to that, but it's, it's not your normal. That's why I called it a retreat. I wanted it to really feel like a networking, but a personal networking. The speakers stay. They're there the whole conference. They don't just come and leave, you know, and they're there to answer questions and all the attendees, some of the attendees have become speakers, right? Because they want to develop themselves. And so it's become this just learning two days and growing two day event. Um, and anyway, I'm just like, every time, every year I'm like, oh, it's going to be even better. It's going to be even better. But this year is going to be epic. Like I just, it's going to be great. With Cynthia, with Cynthia Cooper agreeing to open day two, I mean, you guys are, I mean, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. So (laughs) yeah, that, that is, um, it is just a unique experience for anybody who hasn't been there. And, um, last year you had around a hundred attendees. Yeah. Are you going to keep it around that? Are you going to, well, last year we capped at a hundred. I'm going to try to squeeze in 120 because I think we're going to sell out. I mean, I'm pretty confident we're going to sell out again. Um, you know, I always have about 20 speakers for the two days, which people are like, oh my God, that's crazy. But like, I want it to be content heavy and good content heavy. So like we do 50 minute sessions, mm-hmm. um, maybe 75. If you're really great, I'll give you a hundred. But like, like Leah, she was stuck with doing a hundred. Um, but I want it. I want the variety of topics. And so, you know, I have about 20 speakers. So I'm thinking that takes up 20 spots, right? So if I can get it to where, you know, even we've got the 20 speakers and a hundred guests this year, or even 120 attendees and, and my 20 speakers are just lingering in the back of the room, I don't want it to feel so squished. And I never want it to feel like a big old fraud conference, like nothing against the ACFE. They do great. Like I love their global, you know, 3000 people conferences, but obviously that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a one woman shop, right? Like this is all I can handle. Plus I want it to feel the way I intended it to feel. I don't want it to be like that, you know? So, um, but yeah, so long answer for 120 people first 120 you're in. So, yeah. So, I mean, the point of this is to be able to network and Mm -hmm. then it's kind of cool because the same people keep coming back. So then yeah. we get to have this little reunion with our friends, but yeah. then meet more people and make the group building. bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've moved, we've moved off LinkedIn, right? Into right. this 20, one, one time a year, like vacation for fraud friends, right? Like that's how I look at it now. People, that's, 
people just love it. I, the hotel, I got them to do kind of two days before the retreat, two days after again for the same rate, because I know people have met people even in Denver that they want to come and visit now and stay. And so, um, I, that, I love that about it. And one more kind of plug that I just want to make sure I mention because I think this is important. It is a fraud retreat, but you know, obviously my background's internal audit. People like you and Kelly, you kind of attract the fraud investigators, the forensic accountants. It's a great combination. It's not mm -hmm. just all one type of person in one career. So, you know, we have just, I mean, we have small business owners, we have um, fraud litigators, right? Expert witnesses. Like we have something for everybody that even touches fraud, whether you're an audit, you're just a CPA, an accountant. I've got, you know, accounting firms that are sending people. So it's just, um, it's a great combo. I think, you know, it's not your typical IIA meeting that only has internal auditors or, or something like that. So you, you definitely are going to learn from attendees too at your table. Um, and this year, day one is going to be all about fraud. And day two is going to be all about culture. So, you know, That's we're great. kind of expanding to where last year, a lot of the topics became, you know, all these frauds are taking place because of a toxic culture. So, you know, we're really going to focus on what that means on day two, which I think is going to be a big, big change and good change for this year. Yeah, that's great. You know, the networking events like this, I think are so important. Um, like I was at a very small event in Oklahoma um, a few months ago and not, I didn't have to speak at that one, actually. I got to just attend the whole day. Um, but, you know, there were several people in at the conference who just were asking such great questions and they were quite a bit younger than me. And, um, I just thought to myself as I was hearing these questions and so I'd kind of like talk to them in between, you know, in the breaks and stuff, just kind of get their vibe. Um, but by the end of the day, I was like, Hey, if you're ever wanting to do this, like full time, like what this conference was about, like we need to connect because yeah. I could hear their questions and I could kind of see how they were thinking. And I thought, mm, I think we have a lot in common. And yeah. these are three people that I probably, I don't know that I would have met them any other way. Mm -hmm. Again, yep. quite there. a bit younger, earlier in their career. So they're right. not necessarily like having conversations like you and me right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to show or, up to those in-person events. Yeah. Or on LinkedIn, like we talked about, you know, my, a lot of my college students, they have not learned the power of LinkedIn yet. Right. Like they're still in the, I mean, when you're in college, you know, you're still networking in person, at least, you know, post pandemic we are again. Right. And we're trying to, I'm the accounting student organization faculty advisor. And I'm like, how do we get more students at our meetings? Right. Because of the power of in-person networking. Yes. And so while LinkedIn is great, that's how we started this conversation, continuing it outside right. is what makes it stick. And so I think that's the, the key, right? So as a business owner, how mm -hmm. do you approach in-person networking? Do you have any strategies that you implement? Um, I mean, you are just honestly, you're just like one of the friendliest people I know. So I feel like <laughs> maybe you don't even think about it. You just walk in and you're no, like I, I am not. I'm actually really shy. Like, isn't that funny? So like if I'm just in it, I have told you this too, Leah. Like I know. In, in and I shake my head. global conference, I am like a wallflower. Like I'm like, oh, this yeah. is so overwhelming. There's so many people. Like um, what helps me is, of course, 
like speaking at an event and then people come up to you. And I love that, right? Like mm-hmm. I am not one that I am not good at just breaking into people's conversations or introducing myself. So I think that to me is the power of the role that I have made for myself. It matches what I need from a networking perspective, right? So mm-hmm. like, think about that. If you're kind of a really shy person, make yourself go out of your box and do a training on something you're passionate about for 50 minutes, because then people come up to you that, that enjoyed it. Right. And then it, it happens naturally. I'm all about nor- organic networking. Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds so crazy, but like, you know, do it how it helps you, like figure out how it helps you. And that's mm-hmm. me. Right. I will not go up to people. So totally honest. Like I, I have implemented ways that I get people to approach me and then I'm perfectly comfortable, you know, with the conversation. So yeah, think that's- about, think about what you're comfortable with. That's a really good strategy. Um, I remember this was like pre-pandemic. It's weird how we have to like define this, but pre-pandemic. I know. Uh, whenever I started my business, you know, 13 years ago, I was just going to like any networking event because I didn't network when I was in public accounting. So I, I mean, I was starting with nothing. Right. And so I went to all kinds of networking things and have lots of opinions on networking groups, but I would try to see, do I recognize someone in there yes. and then start with that person? And right. then they will typically introduce you to somebody else. Yeah, um, and then I really just set it as, can I have a decent, I don't even have to like set it as a good or a great conversation, but can I talk to one person like yes. that? I don't know. Cool. Just meet one person. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't like- even have to be an awesome conversation. We could just end up talking about how, you know, we want to learn snowboarding. Like yeah, it could right. be, <laughs> it doesn't have, because yeah. it can just be a relationship building thing. Well, then I would go to another event and the person I talked to snowboarding, you know, talked about snowboarding with, they were there. So yeah. then maybe that time we talked about business, but right. I like it. Not try to force I, know, it. I know exactly not force it. And, um, I know we're short on time, but like one more tip, bring a friend, like invite yeah. somebody, connect with somebody you see is going on LinkedIn and just have a few words, you know? And I think that helps, right? Like, so like for instance, Kelly and Paxton and I on LinkedIn pre-meeting at this giant influence conference with a ton of national speakers, intimidating conference, right? Like I am Mm -hmm. totally a fly on the wall, but knowing I was going to see Kelly there and knowing we were going to meet and like, just have that comfort, like build that in for yourself, invite a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, just know you're going to have a buddy because then the two of you can tackle networking together. And I think that that's super helpful. That also makes me think of this. I think, um, because when I, I have become, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before that when I was in high school, I saw that the FBI agent required like great interpersonal communication skills. And I told my mom like, oh my gosh, I, I can probably do everything except that, you know? And so my mom said, well, you need to practice. So every job I had, I made sure I was like talking to people, forcing myself to talk to people. But I think what's really, really valuable is if you can go into a, a networking situation and just listen for something that person says that you have in common. And then just go from there. Yeah. Like we don't have to connect on any, everything, but just, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there's a pod, a 
comedian podcast I listen to, Nate Land Podcast, and they like asking good questions, like to start a conversation. So they were batting around, how do you ask someone, like, how's your year going? Or how's your year so far? Like starting a conversation like that, especially at the beginning of the year. Think, you know, are you looking forward to this year? And then they might say something that they're going to do. And I'm going to bring up snowboarding again, because that's where I'm headed after this call. But like... They might say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to learn snowboarding this year. Oh, my goodness, me too. And then yeah. you're off to the races. That one connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. And Good as advice. long as you're not trying to I, – I don't think that you should look for closing a sale. That is not the appropriate oh, yeah. form. Yeah. It's just yeah. about building the network. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so this last area that I wanted to make sure to talk about is that I think that um, both of us – and I didn't even think about this similarity till I was putting this outline together. But both of us, and maybe for the reasons we've already talked about, we look for creative ways to network that doesn't feel like traditional networking. Yeah. Or like salesy, like you said. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like uh-huh. it's more organic. It's yeah. more about like, learn about me, how I can help you. But also like, I'm going to learn about people at the same time to see how I can crap, make my services serve them better. So I'm curious, like, what are some of yours or at least one of your areas that, I mean, you kind of mentioned doing presentations, but how do you turn that into marketing for your firm? So I am going to provide all your listeners with my five steps to stay connected after a presentation. which I think you can use and tailor to, even if you're not doing a presentation, if that makes sense. Like maybe it really is like, you're going to see when I tell you the steps, right? It's, it does help. It is helpful if you're in front of an audience to start, but I think there's little pieces of it maybe that you could pick out and like personally use, um, especially towards the end to, to create that personal relationship. So, Mm -hmm. you know, really my tips start with, you've got to ask for feedback, you know, after whatever you do. And I am like, I write about feedback in my books. Like, I think it's important for internal auditors to get feedback. You know, I know you're an auditor and you don't think anybody likes you, but you still have to let them audit you at some point and say, Mm -hmm. you need to, you know, incorporate this or do that. And so I always ask for feedback. Well, within that feedback process, after like a presentation uh, or a training, I create a survey it's got three questions and it literally it's, how did you like this? Like, you know, one to five stars. I put a box. It's like, if you loved it, add a testimonial if you want, because then I can copy and paste onto my website, right? Yep. I can yep. copy and paste into a LinkedIn recommendation and say, hey, you said this and it meant the world to me. Would you mm-hmm. just copy and paste on the LinkedIn? The key is make it easy for them, right? And the second question I ask is, do you want the resources I talked about? You know, I don't like to give away my slides in advance because it gives away our, our story, right? And so right. it's it's the way that they can get because you always get that question. Can I have the slides? Like, you know, I don't I don't care about sharing my slides, but what instead I put together is a resources email that literally I can hit send. I can copy everybody's email that said yes into a BCC, hit send all at once. I've got it prepared. But guess what they can do after that? And this is the the kicker they respond to you personally and say, thank you. I loved the session. This resonated with me. This doesn't, I can't tell you how many emails I get after I click send on that email. And it's like, people do ask me like, why don't you automate all that? Like, you know, they do your survey and then it automatically sends like a link to your website with all your resources. And I'm like, because it's unpersonal. 
because mm-hmm. it's it's not them getting an email from your email in their inbox that they then are likely to respond to. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's my like big tip on like how to stay connected after. Um, the third question I ask is if, do you want to stay connected permanently, right? Like, so I have a CPE book club. And if they want to know what I'm doing a couple times a year, that's how I email people about like the fraud retreat, right? Or any other webinars I'm doing. Um, I literally say in there, I email you like three to four times a year. I'm terrible at mass emails, but you know, do you want on that list? And so that's their opportunity to say yes or no. That's your like ultimate permanent connection. That's a little less touch points, but the middle question gets you that immediate personal after a presentation. It's it's fresh on their mind. Um, yeah, like connection with somebody. Um, and then that's what sticks to me. Mm-hmm. So those are, and I got it in five steps. So I'll, I'll like okay. share that document Perfect. also. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, presentations were really key in me starting my business and I actually started, like I was not a good speaker. And so I start and I didn't enjoy it at all. So I started, <laughs> by doing presentations for my alma mater. So, right, like whenever they would ask. Yeah, I I tell you though, it's funny because I'm like, you know that saying you're never famous in your hometown? I swear, (laughs) like, you know, doing a Denver IIA presentation is like the hardest for me, right? Because it's your peers and people you've been in internal audit with and, you know, for 18 years. And so, but I agree with you, like get out of your box, do what's comfortable, you know, um, even if it is a little uncomfortable and it's, it's so helpful. And, and on your note on that's how you started your business. People will respond to me and be like, will you come do that training for my company? Will you come in and train my 350 internal auditors? You know, they hear that presentation and then that's your, that's your in to get further jobs. That's the lead generator. Right. And it's because, um, because you sent them that email, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not just some automated thing that's happening. They know you're taking the time to do that. So it's definitely gotten me consulting business and further training business too. Yeah. 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 It all, um, I think just anytime we're willing to share information, whether that's through a presentation or, um, you know, sometimes, Sometimes I just have people that'll say, hey, my kid's interested in forensic accounting. Can you talk to them? My time's really limited. So I'll say, hey, I've got this online game. I'd be happy to share it with you. And if they really like it, you know, maybe they'll know it's for them. Just being able to have those conversations to like share those things or whenever um, a client, a couple clients this last week, new clients, I was talking to them and they were asking about like, what are your reports going to look like? What does this process look like? And I said, well, can I just send you a copy of my book? So being able to send those things that just goes a long way. And although that was further in the sales pipeline, you know, it wasn't necessarily lead generating that just, it just makes a big difference. If anyone calls my practice and they are an attorney or they schedule an appointment, we've talked, you don't even have to hire me. You're getting a book right? Because that's going to be there. It's your, I mean, I call my books like glorified business cards, right? Which I mean like that, but they are, they are like, if you want to know about me and my thoughts, that's Mm -hmm. like, we took the time to write them down, right? Um, that for a reason. And, and to me, what you're talking about is how we pay it forward too, you know, and that's one of my biggest, I, I call them in my second book about choices. It's the ownership choice. 
you guys, like we all may not own our jobs, right? Like, or own our businesses like Leah and I do, but you can act like an owner and you can pay it forward like an owner. And you can, I mean, that's just about sharing a resource. Like as in, if you're an internal auditor listening to this, it's like sharing a resource that that you helped another department with, with the current department's audit that you're on, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's just about connecting people and Yes, providing whatever you can and not as a speaker. I know there's a lot of speakers out there that just like hoard their information, right? It's like they're, this is my IP and I don't give it away. And I mean, admittedly used to, I used to be like that. I know Kelly said that too. Like, but now we're like, why were we like that? Like, this Mm -hmm. is how, this is how, this is how we pay it forward, right? We want everybody to know the best ways to do stuff. So, and I think there's always, Yeah. And I think that there's always areas too, where you can give very valuable information away without like giving away all your trade secrets, you know? Um, I mean, there's like, if someone is reading the data sleuth book and they create copies of, you know, I mean, you're not supposed to, by the way, just, (laughs) but you're not supposed to take my exact things. Those are copywritten, but, and use them with clients. But also if they did, if they're doing that, we're already on data sleuth, like 3.0, right? Like we're going to keep moving forward. And so there's things that we can share and things that, um, can help somebody else. And then, um, I know like Trent Russell, he provides a lot of data analytics, um, free downloads like in Excel, but he brands them. So, you know, every time I'm going to open that up, I'm going to see that. And so that was one of the things I was wanting to do in this, um, podcast season with all of our guests is to give them an opportunity to put something branded to demonstrate like what we're talking about. Um, and so I appreciate you providing that download. I will throw my brand on it, even though everybody can, I mean, yeah, it has nothing to do with me, right? It's just a process. I think that's great. So yeah, but it came from you. So make sure you put that brand on there. Um, yeah. So that download will be available. Um, on our downloads page for the podcast. And just so our listeners know, we're not like just putting all of these downloads on the first episode. So you're going to have to acquire them over time. Um, But I'll give more information about how to download those later. Okay, Joe, if our listeners do want to connect with you, this may seem super obvious, what's the best way to do so? LinkedIn. No, that's right. yeah, that's right. Um, LinkedIn, for sure. No, um, outside. So LinkedIn, it is Amanda Joe Irvin. So Joe's in quotes. So you can find me pretty easy on there. Um, my website is auditconsultingeducation.com. I know it's a mouthful. And my email, though, I always say is really short at the beginning. It's just Joe, J-O, at auditconsultingeducation.com. So um, please feel free. Like I am, I'm an email person, right? Leah knows like I'm, I'm on email all the time. It's probably a, a bad thing. But um, I love getting personal emails from people with your stories or, you know, your questions. So just, yeah, email, LinkedIn message, whatever. Just not one of those canned LinkedIn messages, right? That's right. You have to say, I heard you on Leah's podcast. So I know. Connect, connect. (laughs) Well, that's great. And we'll make sure we include all of that in the show notes. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. This was great. Thanks. I love being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Data Sleuth Podcast. The resources discussed in today's episode are available at datasleuthpodcast.com, also available in the show notes. 
If you have any questions you would like answered in the Q&A episode of this season, make sure to send them to podcast at workmanforensics.com or the Workman Forensics YouTube page or the Workman Forensics LinkedIn page. The Data Sleuth Podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. Thank you for listening.